Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Evan. And welcome to Podcentrics. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Podstetric. Welcome. Today we've got a really special episode for you guys. So we're actually doing a Your Stories uh, episode today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a special guest with us today, and her name is Jamie. And she's a midwifery student from Queensland. So welcome, Jamie. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me. It's such an honour and a privilege. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> I felt like really sweaty. <laughs> it's like, it's weird to hear people say that because it's, you know, when you record, like you do something and it's like, it's just between like the two of us and it's weird that other people actually listen. And it's weird that you're yeah. from Queensland, like I said. It's, it's, I know. Yeah, I just listened to your last episode today. Oh, <laughs> how'd you find it? On, any, any feedback? Any live feedback? On on prom and PP rom. Yeah, no, I loved it. It was great. Okay. Yeah, do you guys call it PP rom? so far from what I've heard and I just copy what all the stars oh, say. We call it P-Prom down yeah, here. Yeah, we call it P-Prom. That's the first difference between Queensland and yeah. <laughs> So I guess to start off um, this episode, Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, maybe about your background, some hobbies and interests you have and a little bit about your family. Uh, yes, I'm in Queensland. I've got a partner who works out at the mines here. I've got two children. My boy is eight and my girl is four. And they keep me very busy um, running them around to school and to, you know, sports and all of their extracurricular stuff. And, yeah, it's busy. But outside of that, we we like family time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really think of any of my hobbies outside. I'm, I'm too busy. Maybe some yoga when I have time, but that's it. Yeah. I feel like yoga for me has always been one of those things like I'm going to do it and I've never done it. YouTube. YouTube it? That way you can do it at home and nobody has to see you. That's that's the part that I'm afraid of is I don't want anyone seeing me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very uncoordinated as well. <laughs> we should do a Podstetrics episode, but like a live recording of such trying yoga for the first. I think we're going to lose whatever few followers we have. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! It's funny because we've um just to go a little bit off topic. Like one of your, I guess, like you've spoken to us about your family before, but we've always talked about how much we struggle maintaining like study and having a social life and how busy we are. And then I just can't even fathom adding children on top of that like how difficult it must be and how busy you are how do you balance everything I feel like a shit mom a lot of the time yep okay. yeah yeah um it's and I have a lot of meltdowns <laughs> yeah I don't I definitely do not have it all together even last night like I was scrambling because my daughter's daycare was completely full. I'm on placement this week and I couldn't go in today because I had no one to watch her. Yeah. And yeah. And that's a shitty feeling because you feel like you're failing everywhere. Like I'm meant to be on placement. I'm meant to be taking these opportunities for learning wherever I can. And yet I can't go in because I have no one to watch my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's another thing that we don't think about. We don't, for me, it was if I like, I always went to placement, but if I couldn't go, it would be something not that I can't, I like, there's no one to take care of my child. Like 
that yeah. yeah I just can't even imagine like that would be so hard uh, but luckily the the placement I'm on at the moment is um they've been really flexible and they've just said you'll just make up your hours when you can it's fine like don't worry about it but inside yeah I'm like I'm not like this normally I've got I've got it all sorted like but I've run out of people I can ask to have my girl so what do you do yeah. Look, if we were in Queensland, I'd offer babysitting duties. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I'm can, you, can you do that over Zoom? <laughs> can you yeah. <laughs> sit in front of the camera for a couple of hours? <laughs> you know, one morning, I was so tired from, like, not doing much. Because you know how sometimes you don't know the feeling. Sometimes you can get really tired when you don't do enough. And I went and every morning I have a Barocca. Again, I don't know why. Um, and I put milk in it. <laughs> So you're just such a busy man, Evan. <laughs> I put milk in my Barocca and I drank it. That's disgusting. It was fizzy milk. I'm pretty sure they drink oh. it. But anyway. Really? Yeah, milk. it's called Milkers. Have you had Milkers before? It's like no. a Japanese it's like fizzy milk. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, Jamie, I guess the next thing we wanted to hear from you was, I guess, just a little bit about your journey through midwifery. So why midwifery for you? So I have wanted to do it since I had my eldest, since I had my boy, and he's eight now, I just didn't think I would be smart enough to to do it, you know, to be in a healthcare profession where you've got lives at risk, you know. Yeah. That's really scary. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't have the greatest care when I had him and it just kind of, I, I just thought to myself, oh, I would love to be able to give another mother better care than what I'm currently receiving yeah and then when I had my daughter I had a great birth I had um a really nice midwife who I had continuity of care with yeah she um she really like motivated me to to do it she's like oh well I didn't think I was that smart but I did it here I am so academically like that's not all that matters and it definitely isn't because you can be a HD or a D student and have no idea how to talk to people. And yeah. that's so important. So. Yeah, exactly right. And one thing I guess I wanted to ask you about, so when you, when you were saying, you know, you wish you had better care during your first delivery, obviously not going into too many details, but do you mean more like personal one-on-one care or do you mean more interventional care or is it a mix of both? Um, so I had really fragmented care. Um, It was just through the hospital, a different person each time. And and then with my actual birth, I had um, a few things done to me without my consent um, that definitely leaves you feeling violated and a bit traumatised afterwards. And even as a young mum back then, I knew that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I I should have been, I should have been asked things and I should have been um, given the information to make my own decisions rather than we're just doing this or being told afterwards we've just done this you know the first thing that you're taught in any sort of healthcare environment is informed consent that yeah. is the first thing that you learn about and the one thing that again wherever you come from whoever you are you know about and to just miss that completely is mm-hmm. yeah and I think as well like going back to what you were saying how it's not always about how smart you are Sometimes a lot of the time our life experiences like experiential things that we have done to us make us better better healthcare professionals as well Yeah, because we wouldn't want to subject anyone else to that treatment. Yeah, definitely. So I've taken that into my own practice, yeah. 
Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so in terms of your actual studying journey, um, what did you do like after year 12? I guess just to speak about like your journey, because you started midwifery a bit later on, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. I I had no idea what I wanted to do when I left school. I I did a Cert 3. I worked in retail for a bit. I worked at a high school and primary school as a teacher aide. I have, and I had kids and I was on maternity leave for some of that. And then, and then I started nursing first because as you would know, midwifery is extremely hard to get into direct entry. So I did a year of nursing to get into midwifery and that was my pathway. Yeah. I feel like that's quite a common pathway as well. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people take the um, broader nursing first year and then transfer into midwifery. It is. It's very common. Or some people do undergrad nursing first and then do postgrad midwifery. It is Mm -hmm. quite common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Through midwifery, I guess, if you were to go into, would you go into further specialization or like, I guess, what's your, what's your end goal at the end of your degree? I think I will definitely do my master's. Yeah. Hopefully if I can get a spot, if I can keep my distinction average. Yeah, you will. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Um, I feel like we worry about that stuff and that stuff just ends up working out anyway. Not saying that you don't work hard, but if you wanted enough. I mean, if you're worrying about it, then you'll get it. Yeah. It's usually when you don't worry about it. And it's just like, it'll come. It'll happen. Because ultimately I'd like to be endorsed. So I'd like to be able to, um, you have to do like a prescribed, what's it called? A prescribers and medication endorsement, which I think is integrated into some masters to then be able to be an endorsed or private midwife. Okay. Which I'd like to get into. I don't know what that. I'm actually not sure what it means I don't even either. know if we have that in Victoria. Yeah, I didn't go far enough into my degree to learn that. Yeah. <laughs> um, endorsement. Or, yeah, so you have to do an extra medication course and get signed off on that to be able to prescribe medications and get your Medicare prescriber number. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, and you need that to be able to, um, if you do intend to go into home births, then you obviously need to be able to prescribe medication and be all over that stuff. I see. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges that you've had in midwifery? Like, I guess, is there like a certain placement experience or just some sort of challenge that's come up throughout your degree that you'd be happy to share with us? Yeah. I know on my last placement, I I had to work with a midwife who obviously had something against me right from the start and and it was really hard I know I went home one day and cried because she she was just she verbally attacked me quite a few times and sometimes it was in front of other people so you know having those situations as a student when you're already feeling like way out of your depth it's it's so it's so hard to keep your confidence and to go back and be positive and be happy and be ready to learn again when you just feel like crap yeah um and that was hard a few other things like seeing care that's not evidence-based that you know isn't evidence-based that or seeing things done to women without their consent again um, it's actually I've seen it too much I wish I could say it was rare but it's not 
Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really confronting. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, I do love working with women and, and mothers because mothers are just amazing. They don't get enough credit and going to appointments and, and having a talk with them and making them feel special and valued and what they're doing is it's incredible. They're bringing life into the world. They should feel really good about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. No. Not that I can speak from personal experience, but from what I've seen, it's not easy. And I think people just think, oh, it's a part of life. Mm. So they just, but it's it's not. And for some women, it can be really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So we've I guess we've spoken about like one of the, some of the challenges that you face throughout midwifery, mm-hmm. but can you talk to us a bit about some of your highlights? Like, do you have some experiences where you're like, yeah, I'll never forget that for the rest of my life? Yeah, I have. Um, well, it was only the other day I caught this beautiful baby. Mm. from, um, And their, the family was just lovely. I got called in it at, I don't know, 10.30 at night or something to attend this birth. And, um, yeah, got to catch the baby and pass it through the mum's legs. And, and she had to come to her senses a bit because she did it all drug free like you know after, afterwards they're in that altered state of mind like, here's your baby <laughs> it was just so beautiful and um and I keep thinking about it I just every time I think about it I get this huge grin on my face and yeah that was that was amazing yeah there's some birds that always um that just stick with you like the first one I ever saw, I'll never forget that. That was yeah. probably the most unique. Like before the first one that I catched, mm. that I caught, sorry, catched. <laughs> yeah, the first one that I saw was amazing. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think yeah. that's the great thing about being in midwifery is that the things that you do see, they're so special and they're so unique to people's lives that like as much as we won't forget it, they won't either. It was a very privileged thing to be able to be a part of. Like yeah. any, anyone can kind of. You know, yeah. get to experience that. Yeah. Like I was um, I was working one day in my part-time job and uh, one of the fathers of a baby that I was there for the delivery, I think I actually helped, Um, he came into my workplace and he saw me and he like gave me the biggest hug and then he's like, I'm going to bring my wife in. And then the next time he came in, he came in with his wife and his baby and like she started oh. crying and it was just like, yeah, so special. So- that is really special. Yeah. 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 Because, like I know from experience, you don't forget the midwives who um, are there for you and and make the experience so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's such a special experience. And now I guess going, moving on and talking more about that evidence-based medicine approach, is there anything that you use to keep, I guess, up to date with the most relevant information for you? I listen to a lot of podcasts. And, um, and I know when I'm studying for my essays and assignments and that sort of thing, I love to get really deep into my library database and I will get just on complete tangents because I just find it all so interesting and then I'm down another rabbit hole. <laughs> um, and, of course, with, with writing essays, you can't have a reference more than five years old. So, you know, that, I suppose that helps keep me up to date. Um, and I also love reading clinical guidelines. The Queensland Health clinical guidelines got updated pretty um, frequently. So I try and stay across those. 
and I guess if I ever have women I'm looking after, um, in particular, like my COCs, who, if they end up with a complication or they want to know a little bit more about, about something, then I just send them the clinical guideline because I find them pretty easy to read. They normally have a flow chart. They can see whether the care they're getting is kind of appropriate for the management of that complication. And I also get the um, ACM subscription, the magazine. Oh, cool. And that has new and up-to-date research and different studies they're doing. So I think that definitely podcasts are another way to like get the information to sink in mm-hmm. in a different way rather than just reading. So I've had a few times where I've listened to something and I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 We both definitely use podcasts as well. As like, a learning platform. I know yeah. I use it all through, you know, my kind of fourth year. Um, just because sometimes it's nice when you've read stuff and you've memorized certain facts to s- consolidate it. Yeah. And sometimes just yeah. hearing some random person explain it. Yeah. Can be I, different. Yeah. I tend to not listen to podcasts within the medical field. Mm. I listen to podcasts outside of the medical field, which is really weird. Yeah. Whereas I listen to heaps of medical, medical stuff. Field. Yeah. 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 No. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about so your placement, what what type of hospitals you've been placed in. So I know like when we first met, we were talking a bit about um, the difference between the private and versus the public sector. And and in terms of like what you've experienced, because you're fortunate enough to have been in both, um, what are some of the biggest differences that you've seen between both of those, I guess, yeah, the public versus private sector? Yeah, so I um, do my placements mostly at the public hospitals. And then I do my continuity of care experiences where you've got to follow your 10 women um, throughout your degree. So I do that at the private hospital here. They are very different. I guess at our private hospital here, um, women get their own rooms postnatally, which is really important to, to some women, like who want to stay in hospital for a few days. Whereas at the public, it's generally a shared room. Do they come and, with, um, sorry to interrupt, but the, the private rooms, do they come with double beds or are they just the same? Yes. Yeah, double yep, beds. They okay. come with a double bed, which is really nice because, again, the women want their partners to stay and, and have that bonding experience with their baby, um, which is really nice. And I wish it was that way for the, our public hospitals because um, I'd say for some women that's the only draw card for going privately is so they know they get their own private room room afterwards yeah but the um induction rates and intervention rates are like quite a bit higher in private hospitals and and don't get me wrong like they're high in public hospitals as well but I think generally if if you're a first-time mum with no complications then you're really left alone to do your thing until about 41 weeks before you really bothered with the induction talk. Yeah. Yeah. Privately, it's a little bit different. And some women want inductions when they go privately. They want to choose their baby state, and that's perfectly fine if that's what they want. But, yeah. um, It's convenient for people that like to look at star signs and stuff. Yeah. Baby's birth chart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? There was actually, um, there was actually, um, I'm, we're going to move on from that. There was, uh, <laughs> leave me alone. There was actually a, a really good um, paper that was released recently, and it was looking at um, uh, inductions of labor conducted during COVID. And so they looked at 
um, the, the actual gestational age that induction was delivered. And then they looked at hours into birth when a delay in labor was caused, uh, when a delay in labor was called, sorry. Um, yeah. And they found that during COVID, it was statistically significantly lower. Wow. So they, they're suggesting that one in five, up to one in five to two in five cases of induction of labor in hospitals were unnecessary. Were unnecessary yeah. Jeez. It's really interesting. Those in the New England Journal of Medicine as well. So wow. they're the world's most recognized. Paper. Where was the where was the um what country? Um, I think they were the, looking at the Europe. I can't I can't remember exactly. Yeah. It was either Europe or America, but I'm pretty sure it was Europe. Yeah. Um, and there was one done in Australia as well, but it wasn't in that paper. Okay. Um, I was gonna say, why do you think that they decrease so much? Uh, just because during COVID, women well, number one weren't coming into hospital for any small reason. And yeah. not saying that anything is small. Like obviously, if you're worried about it should definitely go in but i think then even from like the hospital admin side they were less likely to call them in just because for, of all the covid yeah and so then not being in a hospital significantly reduces your risk of induction of labor yeah it was just interesting yeah. though because um, yeah people just haven't done haven't not haven't done but they haven't looked much into it previously it, it hasn't been i guess it's not something that a lot of people really care about yeah it's not um actually jamie i was going to say since you like podcasts there was a really good recent podcast on abc conversations about birthing yes. that you should definitely listen to it was so good it was pretty much about why do you tell me these things now i could have listened to it before we started recording. <laughs> no but it was i need to have something to talk about on this podcast no um yes. you're not allowed to talk we, today we, <laughs> we, um, no but they were talking about um how now more than ever they're starting to realize that for a lot of women birth itself can cause PTSD oh, and it's just well, really interesting I mean come on but it's more like, like but they were talking about exactly like what you were saying with like um you know not having consent and about um having things done to them and being talked at rather than spoken with yeah that itself caused a PTSD like effect yeah and then when women went back to their second for the second birth they were traumatized yeah um, and it goes through that it's really good yeah because you can see it either two ways. Some women come in and are more comfortable and are just like, just do what you need to do. Like, let's hurry up. I've been here, done that. Like, just mm-hmm. want to get out of here. And then you've got the polar opposite of this went wrong, this went wrong, this happened. Um, like, you need to, like, I'm freaking out here and you really need to take care of me. Well, it's so like, it, just imagine yeah. like if me and you went to like, I don't know, a surgery, but it was a big surgery mm. where you were awake. And then me, as in me being the patient, as in you were the patient, or I was mm. the patient. Yeah, the and then really <laughs> bad stuff started happening, or like you know something's going wrong, but people are not speaking to you at all, and you're freaking out, laying there because you can't yeah. move. Yeah, you wouldn't want to go back if you had no. a choice. Yeah, yeah. So how long? How many years do you have of midwifery now? If you don't mind me asking. Um. So it's a three-year degree. Although because I did my nursing, like the year of nursing, and I got subjects credited, so I don't have a full, like, three-year load. It'll still take me three years, but um, I'm only doing, like, three subjects a term, which is good. Like, it makes it much more manageable. Yeah, perfect. Have you thought about um, where you would want to work once you've you've finished your degree and finished your master's? Yeah, I'd really love to work in um, an MGP style program if I can get it to work with my kids so so the MGP we have um called midwifery group practice um Ah, and sorry yeah um and (laughs) you get your own 
midwife the whole way through continuity of care. She's on call for your birth. She visits you at home postnatally. Um, I'd really like that because I do get attached to people and (laughs) I want to see them through. I want to be there for their baby. I don't want to just see them for random appointments and then like. Mm -hmm. And then have to say goodbye, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I, want to be there for the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I wish I could just steal their phone numbers and call them up and be like, have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Letting go is hard. You're stay- yes. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> um, I guess so, I- midwifery. No, but- <laughs> leave me alone. Midwifery. I told you not to talk today. Um, midwifery group, <laughs> midwifery group practice. So that is that run through the hospital or is that like a yeah. Okay, cool. Through the, through our public hospitals. And I think um, I think even rural hospitals are, are starting to do them. The last rural hospital I worked at for placements had one and it was really popular, obviously, because nobody, nobody wants fragmented care. We don't go to a different GP every time we have a problem. Like you want to have a, you want to build a relationship. You want them to know you and your story and, and and I think that's only normal to want that when you're having a baby. Yeah. So, yeah, well, hopefully that will become more common. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day and I, we were talking about um, GPs and I've moved an hour away from home and I still go and see my the same GP even though he's an hour away. Yeah, and even when I move, I'll drive down to my area to see my GP. Yeah. Yeah. And it just takes too hard. Like I think that's the other thing I thought about when I was on antenatal placement in the public hospital it's really hard to keep having to reintroduce the same thing over and over again. Like when you meet new people, because I don't know anything about you. And even if they're the nicest person in the world, they're still starting from zero. Yeah. 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 And like the whole, the whole relationship building and trust building and you, you need that to, to um, have a, have a nice positive experience and, and go through your pregnancy knowing that your midwife or your doctor knows your story, knows what you want. Yeah. It'd be really interesting if someone did a study looking at like a continuity of care versus fragmented care and then looked at how many negative outcomes there were. Um, is that a thing? I don't know. Don't tell it anyone. <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> For sure you'd be more likely to not give someone bad care when you know them for longer because you might know a more like intricate, like, story about them things they like don't like well you know 100 percent. of yeah. course you do you do things for people that you know more so than you would for a stranger yeah i'm gonna look it up after this Another and continuity of care on it. <laughs> so um i guess this is something that we've already covered in a way oh i guess we haven't how was your personal um pregnancy journey if you don't mind us asking because obviously um so you fell pregnant well before you started midwifery so how was that experience for you? Like looking back at it now that you know a lot more about the process. I, I was young when I had my first, I was 20. So I, I did love reading books about it. Um, I wish I had more knowledge on what was normal because um, I was very anxious about it. I definitely wasn't a carefree 20-year-old pregnant. Oh, I was so anxious about it. Um, and and convinced that I would end up with all the complications and interventions. But um, it was a really smooth pregnancy and I had nothing wrong with me. It was just, 
Um, I had a really long labour, um, got the epidural, which completely stalled my labour. Then I had to have the syntocin and drip. And then I had to have, um, oh, and then my little boy went into distress. He had persistent tachycardia. Um, and then I had to um, birth him with the Vontus episiotomy. Yeah, lots of trauma. Yeah, but lot. for some people that doesn't end with trauma, you know, I was just yeah. unlucky, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then didn't have a great start to breastfeeding because I was really traumatised. And again, that was the birth. I had lots of things done to me without my consent. So, yeah, you know, I knew that my birth hadn't gone the way it wanted and I didn't have a birth plan or anything. Like I was pretty open to what might happen. I was committed to getting my baby out safe, yeah. whatever that meant. But yeah, I still left feeling traumatised. So um, the second time around, I did a lot more research and got that continuity of care model my own midwife to look after me and um it was a much quicker labor and birth and everything went really well had a great breastfeeding journey and renewed my faith that birth could be a positive experience yeah so it's good glad you came full circle yeah yes do you find um you mentioned that you didn't have a birth plan for your first baby do you find yourself constantly recommending that women get a birth plan going during their antenatal period for their, yeah, for the intrapartum period? Yeah, I definitely think it in my head, but I, I'll ask women, oh, do you have a birth plan? Yeah. And, or birth preferences or a list of things that you want. Um, most will say no, especially the first time mums, because they're like, no, no, we just want the baby out safe. Whatever has to happen, has to happen. And, yeah, that's fine. You, But um, it's more of the second-time mums who have their list because they know what they missed out on the first time. Yeah. Um, and I, they do get a bad rap, but I think if you're educated on, on what you want and the different interventions that might be necessary that come up, you know, different complications that could come up. It's good to know about those things and know what you would want, say, a cesarean has to happen. You still want delayed cord clamping if possible. So why not write that down or discuss that with your doctor or your midwife? Just yeah. those sorts of things. I think it's... At least you still have some form of control. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always recommend, when I was doing midwifery, I always mm. recommended it to people. So I was like, it's always... I feel like it encouraged them to have a look at what their options were. And it was a really good way, like you said, Jamie, to start a conversation with their healthcare provider about this is what could happen in this scenario and in this scenario, this could happen and keep in mind any of these could happen. But the the women that I saw come in that had quite um, positive birth experiences, I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, um, but the women that I personally saw had birth plans. And it was funny because the midwife's, that were there um, where I was doing my um, my birth suits placement, always laughed at the first time mums who came in with a birth plan that said natural birth. They always laughed at them. And every time they proved them wrong and I was always like, yeah, like. Yes. Just Why on earth would you want people to nothing. fail? Like. I don't know. And I don't <laughs> that because you don't, it's not that often that you see normal vaginal births anymore without um, any sort of like pain relief. So 
why wouldn't you want to encourage that as well? Not even just for the woman and her own personal satisfaction, but also it's just amazing to see. Like it's well, when do you natural. ever go into a hospital and never have an intervention? It's pretty much it's rare. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Um, so why wouldn't you encourage it exactly. when a woman's coming? But would also, you, just... you know what I was going to say as well? Like we were talking about with the birth plan, like now in Australia, the advanced care directive is so normalized, right? Mm. Everyone goes and does it when they're older now. Everyone wants mm. to have control about their body. Mm. But sometimes when you hear, especially for first time mums, when they hear about this birth plan, some of them haven't even heard of it before. Yeah. So yeah, definitely something that needs to be spoken about more. Yeah, it should be. Honestly, it should be done at their... um. The very first the visit. very first appointment what's it called the um the booking visit booking visit yeah in my opinion anyway mm. have a think about it and the next time you come in have a talk with whether it's me or another midwife that you see yeah yeah because it's even yeah. like maybe it's a thing to i guess start to think about your own preferences so that because i could imagine if you're not really thinking about it and you say for example a lot of people may not know what an episiotomy is mm. and so then when you're actually in the midst of labor and you have one thrust on you, whether or not you're consented for it, you might not fully understand what it is anyway. And so then really, are you making an informed decision? Well, you're not, yeah. Yeah. So mm. it's more at least so you know what you would prefer mm. um, and I guess get thinking about it, even if you don't write a list down. Yeah. I don't want this. I don't want this. And unless I specif- specifically ask for it, you are not to do it for me. Yeah. Unless things change. Mm. Yeah. But yeah I, d- I definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely find it's the first time mums who who are bombarded with all the scary stories. Yeah, um, that I'm like, well, why would I make one if if nothing's going to go to plan? I'm and I'm going to end up in emergency Caesar anyway, and that's that's pretty sad. You're allowed to want things. You're allowed to want allowed a positive to. experience. Yes, amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jamie, could you give any tips to any mums out there who are thinking of? Um, going back and studying? I think you have to want it. You have to want it really badly to be able to make the sacrifices needed. But also, I know before I started uni, uni seemed so scary. Like, how am I going to manage it? But sometimes you just need to jump in. Yeah. And see what you can cope with. You know, if you can't cope with a full-time load, then drop back to part-time. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, you just just do it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Don't, don't second guess yourself like um, it's hard and you might not get the marks you want for your first few essays until you get practice but if it's what you want and you're passionate then you'll make it through practice makes perfect yes yes and now Jamie just speaking about you know your own personal outlook um, a bit um, what do you think about the whole home versus hospital deliveries what are you more an advocate for I I love birth centres. I think they're a really good middle ground for people who want that homey experience, but also close enough to a hospital. Um, like I know there are freestanding birth centres, but the ones that I've seen are right next to a hospital or in a hospital. I think that's a good middle ground. Um, but I definitely support any woman to birth however she wants. If that's having a planned elective Caesar, then she knows the risks and she knows that's what she wants then go for it but if a woman wants to birth at home in a blow-up pool then and again knows knows the risks and and everything then go for it I mean I'd love to work in home birth because um I support women's choices and we don't have um publicly funded home birth in Queensland as yet 
I don't think we Sorry. do it here in Victoria either, do we? It's only very I'm specific. Not, I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure the only hospital that has it here is Casey. Casey, yes. Casey yeah. Wow. Mm. Go Casey. Um, yes. I think having the option of home birth would definitely reduce the rates of free birthing. And again, a woman has every right to choose free birth. But if you can have a midwife there who knows what she's doing, then that makes it a lot safer. So, yeah. I think from a, like a completely non-medical perspective as well, I feel like when you're doing a home birth, it's more the midwife or the doctor is a guest in your space, whereas in a hospital, you're, you're almost a guest in guess, theirs, yeah. right? Even though you're not, like you How are the patient, you but you can't be comfortable in the, like, no. you can't. And it's funny because we always um, tell women as well, I'll bring something from home, like bring a blanket or whatever. Like as if a blanket's going to make me feel like I'm sitting in my bloody lounge room chilling about to have a baby <laughs> yeah um, and and like if you're a multi that drive to the hospital or to the birth center is awful when you're in labor oh i've my i don't know if she, i hope my auntie doesn't listen to this story but she, <laughs> <laughs> i just remember when she was going to labor with her second baby they had their first baby they were driving to my grandma's house to drop him off and they literally <laughs> pretty much just like he asked them ran for like pretty much like kind of threw him out of the car because she was about to pop. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, quick sidetrack. I don't know why that, anyway, no, yeah. No. Um, yeah, but that, that's true when you're a multi and you, like birth just happens so quickly. If you can stay home and have the other person come to you to safely um, catch your baby. yeah. I don't know what I was watching it on where they were doing a home birth and I had made like a little movie out of it. I wish I could, um, I wish I could remember what it's called, but they were doing a home birth and they had a, they had a, another child there. The child was in his room. And then as soon as the birth was done, they just went and grabbed their other baby and they brought him into the lounge room and then they all sat together as a family. It was really sweet. And I forgot what, um, that was a TV show or if that was like a movie or something like that. I've definitely never seen yeah, I can't, I can't remember what that was like. That reminds me, though, beautiful. of that clip of that um, Instagram thing we got invited to. What was it called? The, the, the birthing video that's all over cinemas now. Oh, uh, what's it? Uh, Jamie. Yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, they have a clip like that with the blow-up pool and it was on their Instagram story. Maybe it was birth I don't think it was birth no, time. Though. I think but, it was something else. But good on birth time. No. Yeah. And, Jamie, what did I want to ask you as well, what do you think, um, you know, in your mind, I guess, what's the role of a doula versus a midwife? I have not personally worked with anyone who's had a doula, but um, I feel like they're great for the emotional support, mm-hmm. especially if you've had trauma in your life um, that could sort of erupt or, or come about in birth. I think they would be great because doula knows your birth plan. knows what you want and what's important to you and they're going to hold that space really well especially if you're if you're in a fragmented care system I think that doulas are really common for women who have risk factors and can't get that continuity of care so for women who are having feedbacks or you know have a GDM diagnosis um, those sorts of things I think that would be really beneficial to navigate the hospital system and still get what they want and that's kind of sad that you need that to to be able to get the birth that you want that you need someone in your in your corner but um it seems to be really necessary now yeah mm. I, I I've personally never had experience with a doula either but I 
I always, I feel like I always missed out because I haven't. I didn't know what a doula was. Like when you were like, oh, I've of a doula. I thought that was like Greek for midwife. <laughs> I'm good at Greek, but I'm not that good at Greek. No, because I've never, <laughs> I've never heard of that term before. It almost sounds like, um, like, um, remember when we were kids, we used to make those little dream catcher things. Are those called doulas? Nah, surely not. Oh, I've never heard it other than the birth. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I never heard it until you said it. Before. A lot of student midwives were doulas before. Wow. Like a lot of the mature age students that I was with were doulas before. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then moving on, I guess, yeah. closing off as well. Sorry, Jamie, to cut you off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, we've got a time limit. <laughs> no, 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 not no, at all. No, and before when we were giggling, by the way, Jamie's um, baby walked past in the background and we just gave him a wave at the same time <laughs> yeah. without saying anything <laughs> Yeah, we were just like, you yeah. I'm going to start laughing then. Yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, Jamie, do you Push. have five um... <laughs> sounds? Was that, was that your, eldest or your youngest? Yes. Oh, the eldest? Yes. Jamie, you moved so quick. Yeah, that was like, like <laughs> don't worry, we'll be parents one day and we'll understand. But yeah, Jamie, going going um, back to before when I cut you off, um, <laughs> my, my bad. But um, did you have any advice for anyone who is interested in a career in midwifery? I think you've just got to jump into it. Just do it. Mm. Yeah. I have a few friends who would love who would love to, but they're at the wrong stage of life with kids and babies and um, full-time work and navigating that. But you can always start off part-time. Yeah. 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 At least try it. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the hardest thing is just getting in. And then when you're in, it's just smooth sailing. Yeah. No, generally yeah. it is. Yeah. But then the, if, unless you run into another hurdle of should I go part-time should I stay full-time yeah because I feel like there's a lot of people just feel shame in doing that but that's there is no like going part-time yeah, yeah. and I don't know why some people it's just better for some people it's more convenient gives you more time well for life I remember to... when I did my first uni degree I struggled the first year yeah mm-hmm. failed like heaps of units and then had to go back and then they offered me the chance to go part-time because they were like do two units because it'll be easier and somehow in my head I was like oh no I can't do two units because that means I'm dumb I have to do four and then I yeah. did four and I failed anyway so it was actually stupider, <laughs> like it was actually stupid of not doing half yeah. the amount yeah but that's when you were dumb <laughs> I, arguably, I still am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, I think um the a couple a couple of years ago, I had to I on I didn't choose to go part time. It was because I had credits and I only had like two or three subjects for the semester, and that was the best I've ever done mm. in school. Yeah, and it's like well, I should have done this the whole time, and I probably wouldn't have done like six different things. And I think that's <laughs> the other thing as well, like not putting time limits on what you're doing. Like yeah. it's okay to be whatever age and doing whatever yeah. because at the end of the day you're doing it for you, right? Like it doesn't really matter what anyone else is doing. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Amen. Yeah. I feel like there's still a bit of shame and stigma though around like being mature age and being at uni. Like, yeah. Um, I feel that, sister. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How old are you turning this year? Twenty nine. You're twenty nine. Oh, that's me. Yeah. 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 Right. Turning, uh, no, but I feel you're, you're training to be a doctor. Like everyone right. knows that takes ages. Well, not really. Like I have people in my cohort that did undergrad medicine that are 21. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I remember actually like like massive tangent again. But when me and Kayla first went into our first kind of, because we met first in undergrad and then mm-hmm. 
we moved to another uni in our second year. And I remember even going in then when everyone was 17, 18, and I was 21. Yeah, you were, we all thought weird. of you as the old guy. And the, but then you yeah. did that in midwifery. You had the same thing happen to you and you were I feel midwifery. like that now, dude. I feel so old. Yeah. Like I'm younger than you and I still feel old. And people say, no, you're not old, but I feel old. You're old. I am old. I'm um, not old. I'm not as old as you. <sighs> Jamie's the same age as me, so you're really no offense, inadvertently <laughs> also. I'm not messing. I'm just supposed to be really killing you. But yeah. Oh, my God. Oops. I'm Jamie's age and I don't even have kids. Oh, one day. My beard's grey. <laughs> yeah, you do have grey. Uh, kids yeah. will give you more greys. I feel like in five really years will. my sperm are going to swim backwards. I was going to say something and I was like, but this, this, is not an ex- <laughs> this is not an explicit podcast. Like, <laughs> um, Jamie, do you think the midwifery field is changing at all? And is there anything that, you know, you'd like to see go and, and what would you like to see come in? Um, Kayla, you might've heard that like New Zealand has the best sort of maternity care and midwifery profession. Like that's the best place to work if if you're a midwife Um, so I really hope that we can learn a bit from them where the woman gets the funding to choose what she wants to do with her maternity care so she can choose a private obstetrician she can go through the hospital she can choose a home birth midwife or she can choose a birth center and yeah and to have the choice of where you want to go, I think is really good. Um, and yeah, home birth is perfectly normal and common over there. Um, they're also really, they have really good co- cultural programs um, that promote cultural safety, especially for their Maori population. There's a TV show on SBS called My Maori Midwife, and it's all on. Um, how they give culturally safe care to these Maori women and their families. And they have these beautiful little traditions they do at their antenatal classes. They um, make little clay pots for the placentas to go in to transport home and then they plant them under a tree. And, That's amazing. Um, yeah, and they get the whole family involved in the birth. And I, I just think that's so beautiful. We could learn so much from that. Australia is so far behind, man. Australia is so far behind. So I would love to see that sort of stuff incorporated into um, antenatal classes, normalising that We should look into and do a podcast episode about. Because I never knew anything about that. We need to get onto that. That Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Ideas. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I I just think that's amazing. And incorporating the whole family into into birth, like, you know, it is a family event for the people who want it to be. Mm, yeah. But um, the more we normalise birth and normalise positive births especially because that just seems to be a rare event these days, you know, we only ever hear the scary, horrible stories. We need yeah. to have more positive, uplifting stories that, that birth is wonderful so yeah that is true though in australia mm-hmm. birth is very i guess restricted to immediate family because like where i'm from um sri lanka like my village yeah. when someone is being born the entire village of women will go and it's like a community wow. of women like the entire community will go 
That's beautiful. And they all uh, will help each other, like with the cooking, with the cleaning, with even with their own children. Mm-hmm. Everyone's yes. there. So no one's ever, even though it's really poor, like there's no electricity in some parts, still women feel much more supportive there than and the Sri Lankans I know that have come here and have birthed yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like here that community feel is definitely gone and even less so now during COVID. But yeah, imagine seeing that com- whole community like... Rally around you, I guess. And then yeah. come here and have nothing i mean yeah. or just having like you know obviously having your family overseas but then just having your partner there yeah um yeah it would be hard yeah in a scary hospital system you know nothing about like yeah especially when you know english is a barrier as well um when, yeah when he, especially when english is in your first language yeah I, i've never actually seen an interpreter used during a whole birth so i don't know if that's a thing um, um i'm sure it would be used for consent the, i had one during the postnatal care I, I'd never seen an interpreter yeah. during the birth either, actually. Have you before, Jamie? No. That would be no. really cool. Mm. Wonder. I, and I've definitely witnessed people with language barriers who are still not offered an interpreter. Yeah. I had um, I had one woman who didn't speak any English at all and her husband was interpret, uh, interpreting for her, interpreting, interpreting, mm. inter- yeah, interpreting yeah. for her. And that was hard as well because his English wasn't that great but that was while I was on night shift but even that that's such a conflict of interest you know you don't know what it, it, goes exactly on exactly right and you don't know what yeah. he's actually yeah you don't know what he's saying mm. you don't know what's going on agreed I agree with that well I think that's about it I think we've covered all of our questions and we've gone through a lot of detail we today, have which we've has been really cool done a real deep dive which is good yeah so um I guess before we end firstly you can listen to this episode on Spotify Castbox. Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or if you just Google Podstetrics, it'll come up. Um, the next thing is, Jamie, thank you so, so much for doing this with us. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. I know. It's been our honour having a chat with you. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I can't believe people would want to listen to me. I'm a bit, I ramble. My kids are talking in the background. Sorry about that. Um, Don't worry. I mean, you, you and us both. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a women's health podcast. So, like, we talk about babies all the time. We should have some on the podcast. Absolutely. Just to, imagine just having a baby for 40 minutes <laughs> and asking the baby questions. That, that would go viral, I reckon. Like, put it on TikTok. Just a, just a baby, you're like, how are you? <laughs> but yeah, thank you again, Jamie, for giving up your time. We know your time is so valuable and giving up so much of it just to have a chat um, so that other, I guess, listeners can can hear more about your story um, means a lot. So thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. That was great. So like always, guys, um, stay, I forgot how we end. How do we end the podcast? Stay safe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, Jamie, Jamie, let's cl- let's clap and let's have you say that. Yeah, can you say it? Stay safe and take care of yourself. No, wait. Um, so I'm Kayla. I'm Evan. I'm Jamie. Stay safe and take care of yourselves. Bye. 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 <laughs>